much like a 1993 family animation movie starring John Goodman, we're back. A dinosaur story. <laughs> I already did that one. You did a, We're back a dinosaur story? Yeah. I did that one, like, very early on. Okay. I even referenced how it uh, stars John Goodman and it's needlessly dark. I don't know if we should restart or not. <laughs> no, I think we keep this shit going. God damn it! Are you trying to steal my intro thing? Apparently that I, I am. Remember? Apparently I am. I didn't remember. Have you ever seen We're Back? No. <laughs> then you had to have just absorbed it from the memory of me saying it on here. I also, just, there's no way you would have seen that movie. It came I just, out long just, before you were born. I just Googled We're Back, and that's the first thing that came up. I'm going to be honest with you. Do you listen to these shows? N- how um, do I remember we've this? already we've already gone over this. We've already gone over this. You listened to it twice. Yes. Those are our only viewers. These are our numbers. Uh Jude, I cannot You're now your phone's going off. You're stealing my shit. You're getting blown up by your phone. What? And on, I'm supposed like, to leave this show this I'm episode. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Uh I can't believe I thought that that No, I I, I it was actually fairly early too. <sighs> well, also, if you haven't seen that movie, I think it's probably barely over an hour long. It is dumb as fuck. It doesn't make any sense. And it is dark. Okay. There's evil circus guy turning kids into monkeys and then crows eat him. It is fucked. Dinosaurs get smart because a guy feeds them cereal that has, like, <laughs> brain nutrients in it. Like... This sounds like I'm fucked up right now. This is yeah. all in this movie. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to give it a go. I'm mm. actually really mad that uh, <laughs> I've stolen your intro. Oh, tremendous. Anyways. We're back with another episode <laughs> of What Are We Even Doing Here? God, I don't even know how to, you gotta, how to you continue. Gotta, you got to shrug it off. you got to shrug it off. Get your head in the game. Much like High School Musical, we're back. No, that doesn't that work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But there's a song in that, that that's called Get Your Head in the Game. Oh, okay. That's the only that. Yeah, I, I hate High School Musical. And anyone who likes it is wrong. They made numerous sequels to that, didn't they? I know. There's at Unbelievable. least three, I think there's high. I think High School Musical 3 is like the newest one. Huh. Which is like, why? Um, anyway, we're back with another episode of What Are We Even Doing? <laughs> And this is going to be much like uh, the last week's episode where we're b- 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 breaking the four. What do you break the format? B- 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 break, break the format. <laughs> this is going to be another interview, and I, it's going to be against me again. I'm sorry. You were, yeah, gonna I'm, no. we're literally going to repeat last week's episode. <laughs> no, we're interviewing my cohort. Yes. Christian Rose. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to do it. He's like sitting here with his hand pointing at me, trembling, veins shrieking across his forehead. <laughs> I was actually here yesterday. It goes both ways. <laughs> Small amount of drool coming out of Brayden's face as he's just waiting for me to take up this fucking podcast. Say your name, damn it. <laughs> so, uh, introducing you. Yeah, um, but before we get to that... Yes. We should get to our undercard. Yes. But yes. before we get to that, yes. we should ring that opening bell. Yes. Oh, fuck. I, I caught went you. way early. Yeah. But uh, you, I think you caught off fine. Yeah, okay. 
It was very fast. Um, we're, we're, uh, let's not talk about it. <laughs> we don't have time for more fuck-ups, No, dude. we really don't. We've been doing this for, I think this is going to be like the 18th or 19th Co-hosts is in you or co-hosts is in me? <laughs> God damn it. Uh, me. Well, that's why I was so fucking confused. <laughs> uh, uh, I got a message from Connor just now. Oh, great. Hmm. Hey, let me be on that podcast gimmick when I'm there on Thursday. Did we just book an episode? I think we did. All right, on air. Great. I hope by that he means a week from tomorrow, not tomorrow. Pick the show. Oh, man, if you're listening to this live, you could give us suggestions. LOL. You can't, because it's not live. <laughs> I just texted him to pick the show, and uh, okay. I will undoubtedly get a notification. What? Wow, that was fast <laughs> as shit. If he says the 04 TPI... We're not doing it. It'll take a two days out of my life. Uh, we have to... He said, you don't want to give me that power. Tell him anything <laughs> but the 04 TPI. He said, he said, you don't want to give me that power, but I'll gladly oblige. I promise it's not the TPI. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. All right. Okay, sweet man. <laughs> we are... We recording right are now. recording... And as I, yeah, as I type, <laughs> and we are sharing this conversation. This is the type of riveting exchange you guys tune into here on What Are We Even Doing? Oh, I know. I we know out loud read text messages as we type them. Um. So. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I don't really have much for the undercard here. I, I think that I made a critical rookie error on our last episode, and I kind of burned through everything that I've watched recently that I remember. We're both making rookie errors Dude, th- today. Th- th- we're off the fucking rails. This is what happens when you br- 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 break the format. Break the format! Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, why not? <laughs> oh my god. Also, tell Tom Bret Hart is incredible, is what Connor says. That son of a bitch. Uh, (laughs) So, Um, I do have a bit of an undercard. Let's hear it. While we were waiting for WWE Fastlane to start, Barna and I decided to watch, like, 2006-2007 Smackdowns. Okay. Because why not? Fair enough. Interesting Um, time period. They were pretty decent. We watched one full episode... And then we watched, because Berna wanted me to specifically watch that match on that show and then move on, Jimmy Yang versus uh, uh, Chris Masters. It was fine. It was. He wanted you specifically to watch that? Yeah, because he was that like, dude, Jimmy full, Yang. <laughs> that had to have been a full squash. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but dude, Jimmy was, Yang is awesome. But... Yeah, he, he wanted to see Jimmy Yang, I guess. I don't know. Okay. It was fun. Uh, Berna should watch the Jimmy Yang and Paul London series of matches on Velocity. But I don't know if that's on the network anymore, because now it's been gobbled up by our fucking Birdmaster Peacock. (laughs) Break the format. (laughs) What is going on? This is already our greatest episode. Uh, Alright. Anything else? Uh, Was Mike Knox on on any of those Smackdowns? No, we did not see Mike Knox. Or Mike Nooks. He had we this really later. weird thing during his like last bit in the Fed, where he put on a lot of very bad weight, and he looked awful. Mm. But he was like tearing it up in matches, and nobody gave a shit. 
and it's a weird thing to me because it's like his gimmick at that point was something like he was a mountain man obsessed with anatomy, which never came across in any promo or in ring or anything. He was just a big, really athletic dude who looked awful, and <laughs> like he would have match like okay, Ray would have matches with him, and they would just tear the house down, and I was always kind of like, how bad do you gotta be at everything else to be this good and get nut like nobody even remembers that fucking guy I don't Uh, yeah you're right I don't damn it anyways Um, other than that I believe that would be it fair I got nothing I still have not seen the the Randy Orton episode of the Broken Skull Sessions for Mm. no reason it's great um it's very good it's very informative um I actually learned a lot, um, made me appreciate the guy even more than I do, and at one point I was like, how long is this? So I hit pause. Hour 43. Yes. I love and it. And I was like, I think it was at that point an hour and ten minutes in, and I was just having that moment where I was like, not that I'm not entertained, but that whole like, I feel like I've been fucking sitting here for a while. What are we, you know, What is happening? And I was yeah. like, oh shit, there's another 30 plus minutes of this. I love it. Great um, stuff. Yeah. So are we ready to get into... Bring it to me, man. You had a very free form, uh, no notes type. Yes. Uh, I'm not that confident in my linguistical skills. Fair. So I have a, a lot of questions written down. Gotcha. M- somewhat in chronological order, I'm sure. Braden is holding a large bundle of print paper that has holes on either sides of it. Not that unsimilar to Chris Jericho's list of holds that he once held on Nitro. Yes. Okay. These are the questions. Exactly. My holds. My beloved holds. Uh, so, I mean, let me start out by saying, uh, or by asking. Yes. Let me just start this. We're going to get into the interview portion now. Okay. Or the, it's the this, main event. This time. is the main event. Yes. You Break are the, the main floor, event. Man. Ding, ding! You are the main event, which As I'm sure you're, you're not. I was going to make the joke, but you beat me to it, damn oh, it. Oh, yes. Um, so, let me start out by asking... Where were you the night of January 23rd? <laughs> Why'd you do the hit and run, Tom? Wait, what day is today? <laughs> I don't even... What? <laughs> I, Why'd I'm you lost. Do... Why'd you do the hit and run, Tom? He shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But actually, we're going to start with... I actually didn't have this in my notes, but this is exactly why I wanted you to do the interview first so I could steal from you. Oh, you spot-stealing bitch. Okay. (laughs) So, growing up... Yes. We don't... There's no need to ask, where's your first memory of wrestling? You wanted to be the guy throwing snakes at people. Right, yeah. If if, if you listen to the show at all, we've we've covered this ad nauseum. We've done this. Yeah. Um, uh, We've talked about your... Oh, it's fake? Well, I don't want to watch that anymore. And right. Then Missed out on pretty much the entire new gen era. Mm-hmm. Did not watch wrestling. Got back into it in the Attitude Era. Okay. But I think you and I have talked about this a bit. A horse bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we got to bring that back. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have talked about this a bit, but I don't know that we've done it on air. What is your experience with drama in your schooling experience? Oh. Um, so, uh, I for whatever reason, was always very into performing and performance. Mm. So after wrestling got ruined for me when I was a kid, my whole thing at that point, ironically enough, because we have friends that do it now, was stand-up comedy. Mm. 
And but I was a kid, so I didn't really know what stand-up comedy necessarily was. I thought that David Letterman was a stand-up comic. Mm. Well, he's a fucking late show host who does a stand-up monologue at the beginning of the show. Yeah. So, like, when I was a kid, I would stay up late to watch David Letterman. Okay. And I would, like, do his mannerisms and shit. Like, I would stand in front of the TV and, like, watch the way that he moved during that open monologue and everything and do it. And I love the top ten list when David Letterman, like, that was my thing. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be funny. So... Then you fast forward to, like, school, and as far as, like, drama and performance and whatnot, uh, when I got into high school, we had a drama club, and maybe I'm getting this backwards, but it doesn't matter. We would do, like, the fall musical and the spring comedy, so, like, every year mm. they would do a, a musical in, in the fall, and they would do a comedy in the spring, and I think it was from my sophomore year on, I did both every year. Like, I was in, I, I put myself in drama classes as soon as I was a freshman, and then I actually think I ended up retaking it at one point because, like, it, school was fast and loose in my town and it was a different era. So, like, yeah. once you had a number of credits already, like, you can graduate, but, we're, you know, you just got to go to school. You could just kind of fill the time. So I'm pretty sure I took drama twice. And I did, each year I did both plays in fall and spring. And then the earliest thing that kind of started to blur itself towards wrestling, because by this point I was, like, a huge fan was I had asked the teacher, hey, is there anything that you have coming up that would be physical comedy? Because mm. I was like, I could memorize lines just fine, and yeah. like, I, could, I could do funny shit. You know, I couldn't sing I at all. Like, check out that one episode where I start with the three, <laughs> with the Crash Test Dummies homage. Yeah. But like... I'm going to steal that a couple episodes from now. Okay. <laughs> and then completely forget about the fact that you've done it. And, and then referenced it again. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I had asked if she had anything with physical comedy because I didn't even know what the next play was going to be. She's like, oh, if we do, you know, I'll let you know. It was uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown was mm. the next play. And she cast me cast me as Woodstock. Okay. <laughs> and I see this get posted. I see the listing. And like I'm fairly tall and have been for a while. And I see this and I'm like, huh. So I, <laughs> I go into the class and I go, Excuse me, you have me cast as Woodstock? She goes, yeah, you said you wanted to do physical comedy. Woodstock do Woodstock doesn't talk. And I go, yeah, but, like, isn't the whole crux of Woodstock that he's a super teeny tiny bird? <laughs> At this point, I'm, like, 6'2 and yeah. <laughs> 170 or whatever. Like, I'm skinny, but you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I tower over everyone else in this production. She's like, do you want to do it or not? I thought you want to do physical comedy. I'm like... All right, fine. So I was Woodstock. Mm. That was the first time I wore tights in public. Cause okay. It, was, it basically it looked like fucking Big Bird, dude. Like I, it was like orange tights, bird shoes or bird feet shoes, and then like a, a yellow feathery top thing. Okay. So I wasn't. I was gonna ask you about that because I didn't know if they were gonna have you like in just like all plain black and you have like a little bird in your hand and you're like going around like flailing. That, honestly, that would have been worse. I would have hated that so much more. Really? This the the shit that I did was dumb as fuck. But what you just described, although probably better for the show, would have been beyond ignorance to me. I would have. I would have. I on that. I would have been like, nope. Uh, hmm. I also knocked myself out. Uh, on opening night of said thing, because the, one of the bits was that Woodstock flies into Snoopy's doghouse, ah, and we actually built a wooden doghouse, mm. but it was like heavy as shit, and I didn't know how I, I didn't know how to do anything, so I flew into it by running into it head the fuck first, and <laughs> opening night during the show, 
wham, just flat on my back. Like, twitching like Devon Dudley for a second, and then oh, got up and stumbled to the back. God. And I said, wow, that was awesome. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Protect Tom, your skull. I had nothing. I you, got nothing. You just, you I don't hated, I hated like it, it even then. <laughs> God, okay, wow, that was a... Uh... <laughs> I can just imagine you just... Doing the Ilya Dragunov just diving Honestly, you're not the... that far off. Yeah. It was just like, woo, thunk. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, you mentioned um, at this point when you're Woodstock, or, sure. or when your senior year or whatever, when you're at the tail end of your uh, drama phase, you're already back into wrestling, correct? As a fan, yeah. Line, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I just wanted to make sure that those moments lined up. So, you've proven... Yes. That and this is a completely original thought. You mm-hmm. did not say this on the last episode. Right. But you've proven that you're comfortable being in front of an audience. <laughs> I don't know, man. I didn't have anything for that. Okay. For just to tie that in. Right. So um what um I don't know have we've if we've talked about like the moment that you like knew that you were going to do this. Like this being pro wrestling, um, did you do you like? Can you pinpoint a moment where you're like, "All right, this is what it is." Uh, kind of, but it's it's genuinely not what you would expect, and it's it's very far off from what your own story was. So like, mm. um, getting out of high school, I went to college for two and a half years. I got my associate. I graduated. Uh, got my associate's degree in radio, TV broadcasting. And Interesting. My whole thing was, I want to perform. I want to be. I wanted to be on a microphone. Mm. And I loved being on the radio. Like, that was part of our curriculum there was you had to spend so many hours a week on the college station. Absolutely loved it. And the tragedy being that during my tenure in school, so much so that at one point our our head of department, who was one of our teachers, walked in and said, guys, the industry is dying because uh, XM had just launched. Mm. So terrestrial radio at that point has a fucking harpoon straight in its guts. And I was, I remember him walking in and saying that. I was kind of like, we're, we're here. You know, like, what, yeah. are you, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Even what if that's the case, yeah, what, what are you doing? Make jobs come out of the shower. <laughs> so when I was getting out of college and I had this degree, basically I kind of went around and like did a little bit of job hunting and found out that doing what I wanted to do was not a viable career option. I didn't want, like, I, I had a uh, certificate in sales in radio broadcasting. I didn't want to be a salesman. They were like, oh, you're really good at it. Like, you scored very high, this, that, and the other. I was like, I don't want to be a salesman. I hate this. It, it's not something I'm interested in. Mm. And their argument was like, well, there's no limit to how much money you make because it's all commission. I go, that doesn't mean I make anything. And plus, on top of that, I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. So then I'd go around to, like, different stations and inquire about, like, being an on-air talent. All of their on-air talent had four other jobs in the station, most of them being sales. Because no one would pay somebody to just be an on-air talent. Mm. Especially then, because, like, XM's coming out. Yeah. So anybody that has any notoriety or any know-how can be an on-air talent. So I was just kind of like, well, fuck. So my moment of, like, okay, I'm going to get into wrestling, because at this point, I'm still a fan. I'm still a huge fucking fan. Like, my best friend uh, uh, then, and, like, you know, I would say now... Met in college because we were wrestling fans. Like we we would have class together on Tuesdays to talk about what happened on on Raw. Mm, okay. And so, anyways, I end up 
I had moved out of my uh, dad's house, and I was living in a, a town of Charleston, Illinois, and I'd gotten a factory job. And I was basically, at this point, I had already graduated college, but I was living the college life without going to school. Like, all I did was go to my, my factory job, come home, and we'd just party. And wow. that was it. Like, like five nights a week. We'd, then we'd have people over on the weekends. We'd take Sunday off to, like, pick up the house and everything and just kind of, like, recuperate. I yeah. wasn't working out. I had no interest in working out. None. I never worked out when I was in high school. Ever. Mm. And so that was it. I was just, like, working this dead-end job and just living like a, a bullshit frat boy without going to school. And uh, I started to not like my job. And so th- this is a long walk to get to the answer of your question. I'm no, sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, I started to really hate my job. And as time went on, shit changed there, and I just hated it even more. So I called my old job, which was Arby's, and was like, hey, I hate it here. Can I come back to work? And they're like, absolutely. We'll make you a manager of this, that, and the other. Out of the, out of the gate. Out wow. of the gate. So I was like, shit. So I ended up tucking my tail between my legs and moving back home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, which, like, I'm not knocking people who have to go through that. You know, like, I get it. You know, whatever. For me, it was kind of humiliating. Because as soon as I got the chance to move out, I was basically like, fuck all y'all, I'm gone, you know, I'm, I don't want to yeah. live in the sticks anymore. Then about like a year later, here I come. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, I'm back in the basement, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. My first night back at work at Arby's, a very good friend of mine, uh, still wrestles under the name Blake Reed, me and him had been huge wrestling fans together year, like for years. Like I used to go over to his house and hang out and watch Monday Night Raw and, you know, all this other shit. And I get there, and the, one of the first things he says to me is, hey, did you know that there... He's working there, too. I get there, and he says, uh, did you know there's a wrestling school in a town called Paris, Illinois, which was only about 45, maybe an hour from where I lived, mm. back at my dad's. And I was like, what? No, I had no idea. He goes, yeah, uh, I'm going to go up on Sunday and try it out and train. Do you want to go? Said, Absolutely. There you go. So then the, the crazier, more ironic part is this is my first day back to this job. That night, three of the wrestlers for NCW came into Arby's, and they recognized uh, Blake Reed's name on his name tag because he had emailed them about it. Remember email? And uh, then it became, <laughs> no. oh, you guys are going to come up train. I was like, yeah, I guess so. And it was like, oh, okay. So they were like really welcoming and everything. Yeah. So that like I never had the moment of like I'm going to do this. It was literally just the most unbelievable coincidence of the yeah. right place, the right time. Somebody else sent an email. You know yeah. what I mean? And then it was just like. Fuck it, let's go. And that was that. Oh wow. Long story to get to where we're at. I'm that's I'm fine. sorry for eating up that much time. No, that's fine because you just uh, scratched off three mo- three of my questions. Oh okay. So that's good. So so with Zawa, it's very like class by class sort of thing. Right. Was that how training was with you, or was it more like if you're there, okay, you're there until you're done, and then you're good, and like it's sort of like a rotating. So, the the thing with, and this place is called NCW, and I have no problem talking about them by name because it, they, they've been out of business for a decade plus now at this point. The The thing with them was, like, and I'm not trying to, like, really be a dick here, but the people who owned it, ran it, and were in charge of it were, and I, I hate using this term, they were marks. Mm. And, but we didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay. I just wanted to be in a goddamn ring. Yeah. So, we... Basically, the way that they did training, they only did training on Sundays. Because mm. that's when the guy who owned it was off work and had, you know, a day off, you know, whatever. 
And it was supposed to be set up to where the, quote, advanced class was from 11 to, I think, 4. And then the beginners were from 4 to, you know, say 9. Or whenever we basically were like, that's enough, you know, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then once you, I guess, graduated, then you could come in at 11, which this was a ring in a carport that had had sides built to it to be like a, a poor man's garage. Ah, you know, this okay. this was a fourteen by fourteen foot ring that was homemade. Okay, and it like it was well made. I will say that, but it was still homemade. It was it was stiff as fuck. Uh, the the ring posts literally had concrete poured into the bottom of them to oh. make sure that it that ring did not goddamn fucking move. So fourteen by fourteen feet, and it had. Uh, for those of you listening, if you don't know this, most rings have beams that go one way, and then they'll have a couple beams that go the other way underneath of that. This one had an equal amount of beams, and they were close enough to each other that they would touch. So then on top of that, it did not have boards. It had plywood. Mm. And then when I started training, on top of that, it didn't have padding. It had strips of, like, carpet foam. Oh, my God. And then on top of that was the canvas. We did eventually get padding. But that was what I... And I'm not saying this to be like, this is how tough I had. I'm just telling you this to, like, let you know, like, this is what we were doing. Um, Yeesh. So me being like a fanatic, I was like, I'm gonna be there at eleven. So mm. the first like time or two, I went at eleven, and I just sat and stood and watched for hours. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they're like, "Okay, you get in the ring." And they go to teach me how to bump. And the the first day, I remember um, calling my buddy, and I was like, I, "My head hurts so bad, I'm sick to my stomach. Like I I couldn't do it. I I was hitting my head every time." I couldn't do a front bump. I couldn't do a back bump. Uh, really? I was so close to just absolutely braining myself when I would try to do a flip. Couldn't Ooh. do it. Just could not do it. I thought that I was. And they are like, no, bro, your head's like an inch off the mat every time. Uh, just couldn't do it. So I, I was like, okay, that was day one. I went back the next week, mostly the same. And uh, I was like, after the second week, I remember leaving, and I was like, I feel awful. Like, I'm, I'm sore, my head hurts, and I'm sick to my stomach. And I was like, if I leave again and I feel like this, I'm not coming back. Like, this just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Week three, when I left, I felt slightly better. Okay. So then I was like, okay. And then, fortunately, one of my friends came up, and he trained for a little while, and then he dipped out. But he had done gymnastics. Okay. So he was the one who taught me how to flip up. Okay. Because otherwise, I wasn't going to get it. Because like I said, the guys, the guys that were there, they for the most part, it's not that they were bad guys and some of them were like decent-ish, mm-hmm. you know, in ring. But they, they, they were marks. They just didn't know how to train. And, yeah. it, you, you know, um, yeah, so that was training. We'd get there on Sundays. I'd get there at 11. And sometimes we'd be there until like 8 or 9 o'clock. And sometimes it was just get in line, do bumps. Wow. For maybe 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Like, that was it. So, um, what was the biggest struggle? Was it the bumping itself? Was that like the biggest hurdle to come over? As far as like for training? me personally, yeah. Like mm-hmm. it was. It was a weird thing. Like the only natural gift I've ever had for this was that I could watch somebody do a move and I could I, I could figure out the hook. Like the whole reason that I picked the name Christian Rose was the first move I ever saw that stumped me was the unprettier. Mm, I yeah. couldn't I couldn't figure out for the life of me how he did it. Eventually, I figured it out. Yeah. But, you know, that was when, like, you didn't see a move every week, and yeah. you didn't have a DVR, and, you know, whatever else. Mm-hmm. But um, that was the only thing that I had going for me. I could figure out how to chain wrestle. 
I knew left from right. I knew which way to turn to get into this because I had just watched so much wrestling. You know what I mean? It just permeated in my brain. I just didn't have any athletic athleticism, <laughs> you know, yeah. at all. So like once I got the bumps down, then it started to kind of come together for me. Like I could run the ropes just fine. I could take the buckles just fine. Yeah, you, you know, all the base mechanics um, past the actual bumps. Mm-hmm. Once I got to that point. It wasn't, like, natural, like, it didn't, you know, just like, oh, shit, I got it. But I got it Mm -hmm. pretty quickly, you know. Um, So I actually kind of agree with that, like, from my my personal perspective, mm -hmm. like, the the chaining and, like, the learning how to hook things is always, Mm -hmm. that's been a little bit easier for me. Now I want to talk to you about possibly my favorite thing that you've ever taught me about wrestling. Okay. How natural was it uh, for you to pick up like the psychology behind wrestling hard mm. really fucking hard so like uh if, if you can if you guys can hear it right now this is me patting myself on the back like i'm i'm fairly smart about wrestling at this point and i'm i'm fairly good at like psychology and like match structure and how to tell a story i wasn't taught how mm. and then um i'm gonna assume one of your questions is about my first match uh it is now. Okay. We'll come back to that then. But basically, I was on shows before I knew how to put how to run a match, or how to put a match together, or how to call a match, or how to communicate in ring. Mm-hmm. And I was... First couple months, I was just getting the shippy out of me. Yeah. Like, we had a tag team that would come in, and they were nice guys, and they, they liked me. But I was a green kid, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, and I just got beat the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys that trained me was a referee, a uh, good dude, uh, named Ollie Tharp from Indiana and I remember I came up to him one time after a show and it's like I'm not a crier but I was like almost to that point of tears and I was like why are my matches so bad because I genuinely hadn't yeah. been taught any and he, he he just goes it's the drizzling shits brother you don't know what you're doing you're not talking to anybody and I'm like I don't even know what that means yeah and he literally had to teach me like these are the steps of a match this is how you communicate this is the story you do this, and then you do this, and you like he's the one who taught me like the basic structure of a match. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a referee, by the way. This is not even one of our trainers or owners. And I was like, what the fuck? Why are these guys not teaching me this? And he goes, they don't fucking know, brother. And I was, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like it was. Mm-hmm. And what's fucked to me is that none of the other guys did this. And I'm not saying you like, oh, they specifically sought out Ollie, but I'm saying like nobody was even cognizant that their shit was bad. Yeah. Like I knew it was bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could hear a lack of reaction for people. And at this point, I'm only like five, six matches in. Yeah. But I'm tired of getting my ass beat. I'm tired of nobody responding. So I fucking sought some form of help from the nearest source that I could find. Yeah. And I got it. And so then later on, when I look back, I was like, why the shit did nobody else say anything to anybody? Uh, I don't Even if you got a wrong answer, you know? But mm-hmm. So he was the guy that like kind of taught me your base structure and your base match psychology. And so then I was just like, okay, cool. And then I just started, like, any person that I was on a show with that had a match that I was like, that was good. I'm going to ask these both guys, hey, how'd you do that? Because then you can usually tell, because it's like, if they're both good workers, then maybe they'll both talk to you about it. But more often than not, it's one guy who's really good carrying the other guy. Yeah. (laughs) So if you go up to those two after a match that you think is good, and you're like... Hey, how'd you guys do that? Like this, that, and the other. And the one guy's like, 
I don't know, man, just do stuff. And it's like, well, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, so I'm going to ask this guy. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, here's how you do it, you know, and that was that. Like, then I, then, that kind of got the gears turning for me to just be like, because at the time, I'm skinny. Mm. And I'm not fast, and I hadn't figured out, like, striking as a thing yet. And even though I was good at chain wrestling, I couldn't get it over, for one. And two, nobody wanted to do it. The guys yeah. didn't want to do it, and the crowds, honestly, the crowds didn't want to see it either, which is fine. So it was just a thing where I got to this point where I was like, if I can't do this, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, I have to have something. So then that's when I kind of started going that route. Hmm, okay. So, I let me pat you on the back real quick, because that was weird. Yes. Um, Because uh, I've always, I've always felt personally like i've had like a, a basic sense of even if it was subconscious a basic sense of match psychology right but i credit you in those long car rides to journey pro in kansas city for giving me that deep understanding or at least more of a deep understanding of in-ring psychology so uh oh, thank you i appreciate it this is me patting you on the back you're welcome so I'm actually glad that you asked that question and started learning psychology because if you didn't, I don't know where I would learn oh, it from. Oh man, it would have been awful for <laughs> for everyone involved. Yeah, and I'm glad that I'm starting to see like having gone through your training course, I guess right. for lack of a better term, I'm starting to see like asking these questions where you got your training techniques from because you do go through match psychology and structure in yeah. class and stuff, which is like. I don't know. I, I mean, I can see why you do that because you didn't have that at first. So, right. Um, so we're just gonna go with some general questions now mm-hmm. because actually, you know what? Can we just talk about your first match for a second? Ooh. Can we? Do we just? I just unpack genuinely that. forgot that I like lobbed that up to you. Just let's just unpack that before we get to the uh, general questions. Um. My first match was bad. <laughs> it was very bad. So, uh, basically, at this point I'd been training for, I'm going to go somewhere around two to three months every week. I had learned how, I had finally learned how to bump. I could mm. fucking bump. And I'd learned how to tie up. And I could do wrist locks and hammer locks and head locks and tackles. Hip toss, arm drag, body slam, come on, baby. <laughs> Two claps and a let's go. Goddamn right. <laughs> Don't just body slam me. Show me it all four sides and then fucking body slam me. Um, so, I, I, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have enough going for me to have a match. But. So when did you find out that you were going to have. Oh, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. So, but we were about to have a show for NCW in a town of Centralia, Illinois. It was in March of 2006. So we're just coming up on my 15, just past my 15-year anniversary. Jeez. I'm so close to the grave. Um, <laughs> Whoa. So anyways, uh, they were going to do a battle royal mm, at okay. the start of the show. And like we knew it. They you know put it on the card and all this other shit. And uh, basically, trainer guy comes in when he's like, yeah, well, you know, we're going to need some guys in that battle royal. So let's keep that in mind and kept walking. So I'm like, oh, shit. Battle Royal, I fucking made it. Because I'm just, as soon as, I, I'm like, he's got to be talking about it. So, like, me and, like, Blake Reed and the other guys that are training were like, he's talking about us, right? Like, we're going to be in the Battle Royal, right? Like, he's got to be, why would he say it if it wasn't going to be us? Didn't have gear. 
my first couple matches, I had knee pads. I had a pair of jeans that I put a bunch of like patches on that I, I, I assure you I gotten from Hot Topic because I was fucking cool. <laughs> uh, Chuck Taylors, okay, and wow. uh, tank top. Wow. And I don't. Even, I, I'm sure the tank top had a design on. It. I can't even tell you what it was. But I was like, I wasn't comfortable. I didn't. One, I didn't know where the fuck to get wrestling gear. Mm. Two, I had no confidence in my like physique at that time because I was like had that weird skinny fat thing going on where it's like. You have pecs, but you also kind of have a pot belly, and you have no arms or shoulders at all, but you kind of have arms and shoulders, but only because it looks like you have arms and shoulders, but there's nothing there. You're pale as a fucking ghost. So I was, like, not about, yeah. you know, I, I was like, I'm not doing tights or whatever. See, that's why I designed the gear that I, I wear. Get in the sun, bitch. Well, uh, hey. <laughs> but, <laughs> so anyways, uh, so my first match, so I got my, my dragged my then-girlfriend who lived in fucking... Indiana. She drove. She rode with us like two plus hours to go to this fucking show at a community center in Centralia, and they had on the card a triple threat match between TK Hammer, JD Steele, and Kid Justice. Those names. Everything that you're thinking is correct. <laughs> I'm going to say this. There are exceptions to the rules. I'm sure that there's exceptions to the rules. You know, let's not get into that. I will say 80% of the time, if there's an indie wrestler and his first thing is like two initials, he fucking sucks. (laughs) So, TK and JD fucking sucked. Uh, TK was a tiny little dude. He was kind of muscular, but he was not fast. He couldn't flip. He wasn't strong. Legitimately, he, he was one of those unfortunate small guys that had nothing going for him. Had all the charisma of a roll of bounty fucking paper towels. It was terrible. <laughs> JD Steele was a big dude. He was he was heavy set. He was I, you know I'd call him fat, but he was actually kind of athletic for a guy of his size and build. Kid Justice was a guy I never really met. I think I bumped into him, a, you know, later on. But he did like a I'm wearing American flag gimmick. Mm. So any hoot. Uh, so we get there. We go to do this battle royal, and they decide, oh well, uh, Kid Justice isn't going to come. So uh, we got to have that triple threat, which. Why? I don't Why? know. Just let the other two initial bros fucking duke it out. Who gives a shit? So they're like, well, uh, let's put Rose in there and um, just make him look good in the Battle Royal. So I'm like sitting there like, what? they're like, yeah, uh, you're going to be like one of the last four okay. in this Battle Royal. So keep in mind, this means nothing. But at this point, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I'm one of the last four in a Battle Royal. <laughs> yeah, no. Good. <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> I, I've been uh, the last two in a battle royal once. Right? Ah, yeah, costume battle royal. I was see even better. <laughs> even better. Should have gone over. Um, <laughs> but like, so I'm like, holy shit! So I have the battle royal, and it was fine. It was a battle royal that I didn't know anything about. You, you know what I mean? There was a handful of like legit vets in there. One of them would go on to be my, you know, trainer, trainer. Um, but you know that 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 happens. So then I go to have this triple threat. I've never had a match. <laughs> I've never had a triple threat. Not even in training. These two guys are not good. I, I don't know why I didn't put it... Because I've heard the story in, in some detail beforehand. It, the triple threat, we've talked about it many times. It's our favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's both of our favorite match. match this should have turned me off to him forever. <laughs> the way that you're setting this up has made me realize how awful this is going to be. More Dude, than it, it I've ever realized in the past. Inexplicable horse shit. 
So I go to like, because I don't know anything. I don't know how to fucking work. I don't know how to call anything. I, I'm like, can we figure out what we're going to do? Which in my mindset at that point meant we're going to talk every single solitary action that happens in this match out. And that is what we are going to do. And these guys have a memory of a fucking grasshopper. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, this is a cool triple threat thing because I've seen wrestling. Correct. Wait, so who does what now? So you do that, and then who does what? No, we don't need all that. Well, what the fuck do we need? And basically, this is the story of the match. It's three baby faces. But oh, because no. J.D. Steele is a big guy, me and T.K. Hammer double-team him and beat him up, because that makes us look great. Then, because we can't put him down, T.K. Hammer turns on me and turns heel, and he walks out on the match, and I eat the finish. Now, okay. if that doesn't make sense to you, that's fine. And if it does make sense to you, we gotta talk. It just sounds weird. <laughs> it's fucking dumb. So, we go to fucking do the match, and, like, it, it wasn't good. It's probably not as bad as I'm making it out to be. Thankfully, I don't think there's any footage of it. I think the only footage of it was on tape. And oh, my I, God. I think one of my friends may have it. But um, You should seek that out. I know at some point I did a splash off the middle rope, and it got this, like, big fucking reaction. So then I did that whole, like, I gotta do it again. So I just went back to the middle rope and did it again. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I blew the finish. The, oh. the guy's finish was, like, kind of like a, a black hole slam. Mm -hmm. Or like a boss man slam where he just kind of, like, swings you up and then goes yeah. down. And his timing was bad, and I led assed it, and it looked like a fucking clothesline, and he fell. Oh, just no. shit. Just fucking shit. Oh, no. Next okay, question. Okay, so... On. We're, yes, we're going to get to the general questions here. So, what is the most valuable lesson you've been taught in wrestling? Or you that you've learned in wrestling? Not necessarily that you've been taught by someone, but if you've like done something and you learned something. like What's the most valuable thing you've learned in wrestling? So, off the top of my head, my first reaction to that question is to say, work for the show. Mm, okay. You don't work for the match. You don't work for yourself. You work for the show. If you're on second, have a good match, but have a good second on the card match. Yeah. That way when the guys who go on last, they can have a main event match. Yeah. If you're on the fucking pre-show, don't do false finishes. Don't mm -hmm. do destroyers. Don't do anything off the top of the middle ropes. These are things I've seen. Oh my god. But yeah, so it, like, and maybe there is a better one that I... But the moment that you asked me that, my initial reaction is, work for the show. Yeah, I think that's a really, a real important lesson, actually. Right. And someone that I've at least tried to take into account when I'm nervously, frantically working through a match with someone I've never wrestled before. Right. So, I think that yeah. most of the people that, like, just don't adhere to that and they just do shit, they are just creatively bankrupt. They don't know how to have a good match that's not based around multiple How many finishes. things can we do? And even if you do a lot of things, whatever. But, like, it doesn't have to be about multiple, multiple, multiple false finishes. Yeah. You can have a great match that just ends. Yeah. You know. But, okay. Anyways. Next! Um, what is the most... I have a specific moment that I... I um, that I have in mind when I came up with this question, okay. but I'm I'm interested to see if that's where you're going to go with it. What is the most unique way in which you've been taught a lesson? 
Huh. Not necessarily like verbally or or something. You know what I mean? So again, this is my my initial reaction to this, and maybe there's a better better one that I would I would have to think of. But hey, I don't want to sit here and yeah. give people two minutes of dead air. Yeah. Uh, one of the matches I had with Eric Cannon because I I Cannon's a huge influence on me. He's absolutely a great guy. I don't have a bad thing to say about him. A borderline mentor. Um. Had one of the matches I had with him in North Dakota, we were given like 10, 12 minutes, and Cannon's the guy that, like, I, I was honored also that he would always request to work with me. Like, if he was coming to Illinois and we were on the same show, he would request to work with me. And to me, that was like yeah. the uh, the biggest nod of approval. Mm-hmm. So we're in North Dakota and we're having this match, and they wanted us to go, I want to say it was like about 10 minutes, maybe 12, but they wanted us to, like, really, you know, tear it up. So, Cannon doesn't like to plan everything, so we pretty much plan, like, a crazy cool back half of the match, or back third, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we're out there, and we're having the match, and everything's fine. And he skipped a bunch of shit. He called something. I was like, okay, I'm not going to say no. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're the vet here. Do what he says. Skipped a bunch of shit. We went six minutes. Mm. Finish. Go home. I get to the back and I'm like, "Hey man, like are you are you hurt or anything? Like what's up?" And he goes, "No, why?" And I'm like, "When we had all the stuff that we were going to do and we didn't do it." He was like, "Crowd wasn't into it." So why bother? And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "They weren't into it." So why bother? Why put our bodies through all that risk if they're not if they if if they weren't into it at that point, they weren't going to get into it. Yeah. Was what he was trying to say. And at that point it's not worth taking risks and brain busters and all this other shit that we were going to do. Yeah. If there's not going to be a reaction. And the idea that you could do that, that you could just on the fly be like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Crowd's dead. They're not biting. And we, we we're not giving them what they want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is that we're doing, they're not biting on. Let's just get the fuck out of here. Maybe somebody else will have better luck. Yeah. And that, that's probably one of the top ones for me. That you, I, I like because at that point I've been working for a long time. I just didn't even know that that was an option. Yeah, you know, I was like, I, I thought you, we got to see this through. We got to make them care, and it's like, he's so good at being like, no, they don't, and yeah. they're not going to. So that is pretty brilliant, if you ask me. So before I get to another specific talking point, can you pinpoint a moment? in your wrestling career where you, like, felt completely comfortable and that you knew that you had this down? Like, was there, like, a moment where it clicked where you're like, I'm good at this? (laughs) Or was it more like a gradual sort of thing? It was a little bit more of a gradual thing because, like, I always had... Like, once I got to a certain point, I started to have that shitty attitude where it's like, fuck it, I'm good. Everyone else sucks. I'm good. Which is not the right attitude to have. Mm. But... I think the first time that I had a match with somebody that was higher up in the food chain than I was, and it delivered, and that that's when I was kind of like, okay, now, like, I had, like, some confidence before, and it was Davey Richards was my first, like, quote-unquote name guy that I had okay. a match with. I was scared shitless going into that. But, match was good, asked him afterwards, any critiques or anything, he's like, no, man, not really, you're fine. Which... Granted, he was probably just blowing smoke up my ass and just didn't want to talk to me, which is fine. I don't give yeah. a shit. But I had a match with him. He didn't beat the ever-living shit out of me. And yeah. 
uh, you know, it was good. So that was a big thing for me. Um, I think that like my one of my tipping points where I was just kind of like, I fucking have I I have this now. There's a match with me and Alex Castle. It's on YouTube. It's for the IWAU Championship. We there was there was a lot of like backstage stuff going into it. Like me and him were, were totally fine. I was leaving the place because I was going to Dreamwave. Basically, mm. was what it came down to. So like what I don't want to be here anymore. Beautiful segue. So oh, go ahead. Uh, so basically, we had this great babyface build for him, and I was just like godless killing machine heel champ, and we had this match. And neither of us were actually feeling it. it wasn't that, that like we didn't want to work with each other. We loved working with each other. He's my best friend. But he, we just didn't want to be there. So mm-hmm. we basically put together like a few, th- very few things late in the match. And then the rest of it is completely called on the fly. Mm. And I have rewatched it several times. It's so awesome. Like it, in my mind, it holds up. Uh, the fact that it's on the fly is just money. The crowd is absolutely livid for it. Not livid. Uh, molten is the word yeah. I, was, I don't. Why, why did I say livid? They're pissed um, off. They're at you. pissed off. Hot. <laughs> um, and it was completely organic. It was great. I really fucking felt it. And like I remember afterwards, just being like, "This is the perfect close for me leaving this place because this place made me much much better than I was when I got here. Now I fucking got it. Bye. Like bye bye." Suck it, nerds. Suck sand. Suck sand. Um, what a beautiful segue, though, because my next thing is talking about the dream waves. Yes. The as, waves as it of were. dreams. As it were. Um, so, I'm a young boy in the crowd. Sure. Seeing this this man talking behind, or not behind, by a, a chain link fence in black and white. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this guy has to be the baddest motherfucker of the land. <laughs> Because he's, like, no one else... So, even... Okay. Even at, like, the height of my fandom, mm-hmm. I wasn't really watching WWE that much. It was right. mostly Dreamwave stuff. Well, it's, it was super local for you. Yeah. Like, that was... That's a ten-minute drive from your house. Yeah. Right. And I and I cared so much more because it was the, the intimacy of it. Right. And until then, I had not seen, like... Hade Vanson-esque vignettes for someone... I know. Hade Vanson-esque vignettes for someone to debut in Dreamwave, and I'm like, this guy has to be the best motherfucker in the world. (laughs) And then, so you come here, okay? You have this whole... We've talked about it before, the undefeated thing that came organically. Have I told you the story... Have I told the story on here about how I got the gig here, though? Uh, I don't believe so. Go ahead and and tell it. I'm not trying to, like, hijack the thing, but I don't want to, like, jump it. But, like... So, at this point, I'm working for, you know, indies all across Illinois, because there used to be a lot of them. I'm going to, like, Indiana and Ohio and, you know, dabbling down Kentucky and shit. But I knew what Dreamwave was, and I knew it was a big deal. Mm. And I was like, I don't know how to get in there. And then I heard that they do tryouts. And then uh, when I heard that uh, Waylon Beck, a.k.a. Ryan Phoenix, came in, Mm. he did a tryout. And they were like, yeah, we'll use you, but you're not Ryan Phoenix, you're Waylon Beck. So they gave him a new character thing, which his by his own admission, much better. Yeah. Uh, my fear at that point, which the, the the arrogance of this, was to be like, oh man, if I go and I do a tryout, what if they give me a stupid character and I can't do it or I hate it? What if they make me the Eggman? What if I'm the, <laughs> I thought I was gonna be Eggman. I thought I was gonna be the Eggman. <laughs> so I was like real nervous about that, and I, you know, I was just like, man, I don't even know who to contact. You know, this, that, and the other. 
And at that point, I really didn't have a character. Like, I was just... I would, I would dye my hair crazy colors because one of the things that Ollie taught me was if you look like a guy in the crowd, that's where you're going to end up. Mm. So I was like, well, this is a cheap way to not look like people in the crowd. So I'm like, dye my hair crazy colors, and I'm trying to cut promos that I thought were good, and, you know, I just didn't really have a character. Mm-hmm. And Jason Harding, who now referees for the DOS Double Double E as Jason Ayers. Jason, yeah. <laughs> uh, was a friend of mine. I'd met him on shows in Indiana and such. And great dude. And uh, he was always super supportive of me. So he was refereeing in Dreamwave. Mm. And basically, uh, Jared was like, I want to have somebody here that can actually talk. And he was like, oh, you should check out this Christian Rose kid. Mm. So he legit sends Jay like links to some shit that's on YouTube that probably really wasn't good because like I hadn't figured it out yet. But you know what yeah. I mean? It, it was an effort at least. Yeah, it was uh, the rough draft. Sure, absolutely. So he ends up giving Jay my number. So I'm living in uh, Robinson, Illinois. I'm working a, a fucking job that I hate, a night job that I hate, a candy factory. And I wake up one morning to go piss or something. I have this message on my phone from a number I don't know. It just says... Hello, I'm Jay Repsol. I own Dreamwave Wrestling. Would you like to come work for us? And I, I stopped walking. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. I was, uh, yes, absolutely. I sure would. Send. Yeah. And then as soon as I hit send, I was like, oh, they're going to make me the Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he gets back to me and was like, this is when we're going to have you debut. And I was like, I've never, I, I'd never dealt with a company that level of professional. Yeah. Because up until then, I've been working for, for fucking shindies all over the place where it's just like, yeah, man, I, you know, cashed in all my unemployment and bought a fucking ring. And now yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and he's like, here's how we're going to have your debut. This, that, and then I was like, holy shit, they're planning a debut? I thought it would just be like, I show up and have a match, you know. And uh, he goes, so are you open to an idea for a character? And I'm like, yes. And I'm thinking, here comes Eggman. <laughs> I love that we're bringing Eggman. I, 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 it's the best way to describe it, yeah, honestly. Because yeah. I'm just like, God damn it. He's, he, he, I, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but I, yeah. I was like, God damn it. And he goes, um, I want you to be somehow a mix of emo but badass. Basically like Raven when he was in the flock and Raven in ECW where you cut these like really deep wordy promos, but you're not a cowardly heel. You're a bad motherfucker. And I was like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah, like, that, that, yeah. It, like you talk about just lobbing something into my strikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what more could I have asked for? So that's how I got the gig. Mm, okay. Just again, putting bad shit out there that somebody else thought was decent and putting the word in and blah blah blah. So, yeah. You have a couple matches there. You win, and then you start trying to be an asshole and say, "Hi, I'm undefeated," and you've only right. won two matches in a row. Correct. Okay. And then all of a sudden, Jay wants to run with this, correct? Mm-hmm. Is that how that unfolded? I had two matches there that were both squash matches, which I'd never had a squash match before. Mm. I didn't know how to have a fucking squash match. Had no idea. Had never done it. Interesting. I was, I was used to going to shows, and here's $20. We need you to do 30 minutes. So then I come all the way up here, and they're like, yeah, you got three and a half minutes. Excuse me? You know what I mean? It's like, it's 260 fucking miles from my apartment to here. One way. <laughs> and you want me to be a three and a half minute match. So I did, basically, what happened with that thing was I had done two matches that were both squash matches. And they would do this thing with me where they would just be like, either right before I went out there or right after, somebody would just hand me a microphone and be like, cut a promo. And it was like, That would terrify what? me. Exactly. And I'm comfortable on the mic. I really am. I already was. But I was just kind of like, 
what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you give me a bullet point or something, anything. Yeah. So, uh, the second match, they were like, yeah, get a, do a promo afterwards. And I was like, again, I'm in the cur- I'm, I'm in Gorilla about to go through the curtain for the second match. And I'm like, they're like, yeah, do, grab the mic and do a promo after the match. And I go, about what? And they're like, doesn't matter, just get heat. And I'm like, okay, fine. God. So I do the match. Again, it's like a three and a half minute squash. And I'm trying to think, like, what is the shittiest fucking thing that I can say? <laughs> so the crowd's booing me, which is what we wanted. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying something along the lines of, how can you boo me? I've never lost. Which, in my mind, was me trolling the people as well as the guys that I'd beaten. Because it's like, yeah, it, yeah they're tomato cans. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think actually, one of them was Bucky. <laughs> one of them oh. was Bucky. and that, But that was his job at the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my whole thing was like, I'm undefeated. I've never lost. I'm two matches in. Nobody cares. I've had a combined in-ring time of six minutes. Yeah. Who gives a... F- you, you know what I mean? Like, even the Goldberg thing wasn't a thing until it was like he was beating people that had some value. Yeah. So I'm just trying to fucking troll the crowd. Yeah. I come to the back, and they're like, that was awesome. Great stuff on the microphone. That undefeated thing. That's real good. And I'm like, sure, man. It's it's the cheapest heat imaginable. Yeah. Like, I, I could have just been like, you're all fat. Like... <laughs> yeah, like uh, <laughs> So, but my third match there was more with uh, Marche because mm. like, like we had the the winter break where they would take like uh, January off or whatever. Yeah. So I come back and it's like, oh, it's me and Marche. Dope. I know he's like a guy, if not yeah. one of the guys here. And I show up and it's like, rose over and I'm like, what? And I fought it. I was I was on my third show and I was like, I don't want to do that. It, <laughs> and and mm-hmm. it was no man that undefeated thing. That's great. We got to keep it going. I'm like. He's, I, I, I'm on my third show. He's your, he's like a top guy. But, yeah, there it was. So, so that's so how that it. unfolded. That's how that unfolded and started. Mm-hmm. So you, you're, you're the new guy. Right. You come in here and you're beating all the people. Uh huh. There's heat. There is. So, a lot. Yeah. Did they know that you were like that? You f- for for specific specificity's sake. Did they know that you, like, fought that decision to go over Marche? Didn't matter. Okay, fair enough. Like, like that, that locker room, by and large, hated the shit out of me. And here's the thing, it's like, I didn't have any real friends there. Like, at that point, I, there were a few guys there that I had met or, like, bumped into. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you're in a, a quote-unquote bigger company like that and everything, there is politics, there are cliques and everything like that. I got brought in, I was basically a man on an island because, like, uh, Castle wasn't there. Cage wasn't there. Danny Cannon wasn't there. Like my usual driving crew were not there. Mm-hmm. I had met the Zero G guys um, like a few times, and um, Waylon, and that was about it. But then it's like I'm the new guy, and it's like we're shoving you so fucking hard out of the gate, even though I have stumbled into it. Yes, completely by accident, by laziness, almost comically. Yeah, yeah, legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, like, the whole locker room fucking hates me. And I don't really have anybody to fucking talk to. So it didn't matter if I, like, protested and said, hey, yeah. I don't want to do this. Because that's the end result. So now I have to ask. Because I don't even think I've ever talked to you about this off air. Was there any, like, a moment or anything that you did or said or whatever that made that heat go away? Or did it slowly fade away? Or is there still heat? <laughs> I mean, like... I think that it was more of a gradual thing. I think that, like, once I once the guys actually, like, would talk to me, 
yeah. about shit instead of just being like, yeah, you know, whatever. And, like, legit, people would just, like, walk away. They, they would legit just leave me to sit by myself in this fucking locker room. And it was, like, th- that first several months, like, a- everything after the show was great. Everything in ring was great. Everything before that, for me, was stress and agony because I was driving up by myself. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm I'm completely alone. I get here. I get told, yeah, you're going over. God damn it! I I have to then have a match with this guy who's been here longer than me, mm-hmm. and say, you have to go down. Then I have to go downstairs and hang out in this locker room where everyone just views me as this spoiled fucking brat mm-hmm. who's getting handed everything out of the gate. And it's like I get it. Like if you if you're on their side and you're looking at it from that point of view. Of course. Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not like a mad thing or like a grudge or anything like that. But to answer your question, like, I think that like once the guys started talking to me and they realized that like, oh, wait, he's not burying the guys in the in these matches, though. Yeah, he's winning, but it's it's tough for him to win. If I had just come in and gone like full Goldberg or Ryback and just yeah. ran through people, they, they would have had heat with me. And, and right, again, probably rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would have gone away, but like... I never made it like that. I don't think I ever had, like, outside of those two squash matches early on, I never had a, quote, dominant performance mm-hmm. at Dreamwave. It was always hard for me to win, and it was always hard for me to beat the other guy. So, um, how was it working with the people that you're going up against? Like, these, these Dreamwave, quote, top guys here, You like, you're coming in and, and you're scheduled to go over, you're the right. new guy. Were they, like, cordial with you putting together the match, or was it, like... For the most part, yeah. Like, there were there were a handful of guys that, like... I don't want to fucking throw names out here for this or anything. But, like, legit, I remember, like, one time here... Like, a guy... I'm, 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 like, from me to you away from the guy. And we're in the pre-show meeting and go through the matches, and he just goes, Rose is over again? Come on! And it's a thing where I said it out loud, same tone and everything, and I'm sitting there and I go, I'm right here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you don't like it, you can at least talk to me about it. Or, more importantly, why don't you talk to the guy who's booking it? Yeah. It, you, you know what I mean? And But, like, so far as the actual in-ring, like, nobody was ever, like, stiff or unsafe. Most For the most part, everybody was easy to work with, especially because I feel like once they learned that, like, oh, he's not going to just run through me. Yeah. Like, he's only being told to win. It doesn't necessarily matter how. Yeah. You know, and, like, I... I always try I tried and usually got shot down or maybe the other guy wanted to do something different I always wanted to make it look desperate because in my mind as a heel if I'm last ditch effort barely winning but then I'm cutting these promos about like ha I'm undefeated and making yeah. it sound like you know dirt off my shoulder mm-hmm. that's more heat even though the people just saw this match where it was like I barely get by but it, I mean it eventually it, it subsided you know or subsided yeah. That was interesting. An interesting little tangent there. I like that. So, I'm going to get into some more uh, general questions about right. just things that I want to know or that I might, that I think might be humorous to talk about. Sweet. So, first, what is the most proud you've ever been at, like, something you did or pulled off in, like, in, in a wrestling match? Like, just a. Something that like you you weren't like super confident it was gonna go over well or whatever, and then it you did it and it was perfect and you're just proud of it. I I think I have three. Okay. The first one is the streak at Dreamwave ending. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because 
man, oh, man, I had to fight real hard to get that to end and to get to end the way that it did. Mm-hmm. And if if we do, like, a part two or if we wanted to just, like, keep this thing going, I don't care if we do a long episode. I don't, I don't give a shit. But I, I still remember as being pinned on the, like, literally on, you know, one, two, normally it's like, you know, thank you, you know, are you okay, you know, whatever. I still remember I just said, I'm so glad this is over. Wow. Um, two would probably be my last, what I would call my last match at Dreamwave, me and Cage at the 100th show. Mm. I was very proud of that because we were both very beat up at that point. Like, mm. I, I was pretty badly injured. Uh, Cage was too. So we couldn't do what, you know, we, we had done at that, you know, prior. But people were just absolutely, like, they, people were in tears. You know what I mean? Like, people were just sucked in. So I loved that. And then um, my third one probably is actually the match I had with Judd where he quote-unquote retired for Funky Monkey. Yeah. And that was just because, like, I was so proud of that because, like, that was his idea almost a year prior. That was all his idea. And we pitched it and, you know, kind of had to fight for, you know, a little bit, you know, whatever. And uh, loved it. Thought it was great. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've I've rewatched the finish of that recently, and like it's nowhere near comparable. So I'm not saying that it is, but you know how like when Taker Streak ended, there's just that like weird almost silence where it's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. I've rewatched it, and when Judd taps out, it's it's again, it's not really comparable because yeah. it's a much miniature version. It is similar, mm-hmm. where it just gets quiet, and they don't even boo until they annou- I'm announced as the winner. Yeah. Like, th- those are just, top three for me, like... That Judd one, man, you told me about that. You told me about the, the finish to that night. I immediately, when I yeah. got home, looked it up, and... Heavy. Boy, heavy, it's, heavy it's heavy. Yeah. It's a real good one. Um, so that was in, in, in interesting. I was, like, there's other things, like, I guess I could say that I'm proud of. Like, I I basically asked slash demanded to have the match with Matt Hardy, <laughs> and... It delivered, mm-hmm. so and I hadn't been given that opportunity up until that point by anybody. Mm-hmm. So that match being good was a real thing for me, where I was just like, you know, I was very proud of that. I was very proud of the the stuff I did with Shotzi Blackheart at Journey. Okay, I'm yeah. still very proud of that. Like that was their biggest drawing crowd was the blow off of that feud, and I was like proud because I was like storytelling will sell tickets. Mm-hmm. That was the thing for me that I was the most proud about. Where it was like, yeah, man, you can have great matches. That, that you know, and we should. We should always have great matches. But their biggest house was to see a villain get his comeuppance, mm-hmm. and I think that that's the most important fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, sorry. That was their biggest drawing crowd until referee Braden stepped up and. Uh, oh had yeah, to... that's true. That's true. It was the biggest <laughs> drawing one at that point. But no, yes. I know. <laughs> uh... I just thought that was an interesting... If we could just go on a side tangent here. I don't know if we've told this here, but I do want to say it because it's uh, evidence of you fucking with me, <laughs> you ass. Um, so I... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Finally, <laughs> I, I, I started traveling with Tom to other places uh, and, and refing if he could get me on, which I don't think there was a time that you were unsuccessful in that, honestly. I think... Sweet. Batting a thousand. Yeah. Honestly, um, whether it was refing or just doing something on the show. Um, but I was refing a match between you 
and Fowler mm-hmm. at Journey Pro. Mm, there's my phone. There's another one. Mm. And again. <laughs> um, I was refing a match between you and Fowler. Yep. Uh, and just about before we go out there, <laughs> you could see it on my face. I'm nervous because this is, first right. of all, I have an earpiece in, which is new. Right. Um, this is much larger and much more intimidating environment than I've ever been in. Because it's a big crowd, plus they're very close to the ring in mm-hmm. uh, Kansas Hall. Yeah. So, like, when you say intimidating, it, it that crowd was great, but it was also kind of intense. Yeah. That was that was one of those best type of crowds, though, to me, where it was like, as long as you were doing something good, they loved it. Mm-hmm. But if you were doing something bad, man, it was just crickets. Yeah. But anyways, go on. So, I'm, I'm nervous going out there, and you know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, um, we're just about to go out there, and, uh... You said, uh, I, I think this is a direct quote, but I don't know for sure. You said, hey, this is the biggest crowd they've ever had. Don't fuck up. <laughs> yeah, and, which only like made it worse. Say, yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was that was fun to talk about. Got anything else for me? Becca, I have a lot more. Bring it, I'm, I, I'm honestly, I'm all care. for keeping we're this barely, We're barely past an hour. I don't care. Let's oh, set yeah, a record. I thought we were way, way longer. We, no. we can let leave. I own this network. <laughs> We're going to keep minutes. going. Um, so, what is... Just because you know how I feel about you being angry, I think it's funny. Right. What is the worst experience you've had with a spot being blown? <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. So... Are you looking for like a God damn it, where the fuck was Vicky type of thing? Sure, yeah. Or okay. So for that <laughs> I will God, this story makes me sound like the worst person of all time, which is fine. I don't I, I I'll fess up to it. So right when I had started deciding to use the Ride the Lightning, aka mm. Dog Shit Go to Sleep, aka the lazy CM Punk as a finish. I don't think it's lazy. I think it's cooler. It's just a... I, I, I think it's a funny name. Um, <laughs> so, basically, I do this thing, and honestly, sometimes wrestlers will all do this thing. Where we forget what moves we do. You so, actually asked me what moves you do right. while planning a match one time, and I was like, how would I know your moveset better than you? Right. So, basically, I'd been going... I'd been using a rolling elbow as a finish, and mm. I was like, I need something different because... These are the hotness. Everyone's fucking doing it. Which I should have just stuck with it and just been like, yeah, fuck it, mine's better. But somehow, some way, stumble upon Ride the Lightning. Cage claims I stole it from him. That is simply not true. But <laughs> so to get to the point of the story here, I am on a show for UWC oh. in Georgetown, Illinois. I think I know this And I'm having story. a match with this guy, and I can't remember his name right now, and that doesn't fucking matter. But basically, the referee comes up to us, and he was not a very well-experienced referee. Which is, again, not his fault, you know, whatever, we're all trying to fucking do shit. And he asked us for the finish, and I was like, uh, rolling elbow. Um, basically a knockout. Like, he's, he goes absolutely lifeless, just count three. He says, okay. Referee walks away. A few minutes go by, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm an idiot. I've got this new move I've been wanting to do for a finish for the past five days. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I grab the guy, and I go, hey, man, instead of rolling elbow, do you care if we do this? And I you know, show him how Ride the Lightning works. He's like, yeah, okay. And I go, it's the exact same cell. You know, you're knocked out, it's knee to the face. We don't have to change anything about the match at all. He goes, okay, cool. Well, I don't tell the referee. Okay. <laughs> so, 
on the one hand, yeah, this falls on me for not telling the referee, but on the other hand, you will see where we fucking get to. So we do the match. The match is bad, by the way. I can't stress that enough. This guy really? got this guy got blown up uh, walking to the ring, which was frustrating because he wasn't in like bad shape. He was a chalk outline the whole time. It wasn't really over. I'm like, you know, yelling at people. I'm trying to get heat and just beating the shit out of this dude and just not giving me anything back. So I'm just like, fuck it. So we go home. I hit the ride the lightning. And it's supposed to be that he's knocked the fuck out. So I go for like a lazy, arrogant pin where I'm just like kind of sitting but laying back on him. Mm-hmm. The referee goes down and it's one, two, and nothing happens. <laughs> And this guy doesn't move. I can't stress this enough. He is just straight the fuck up staring into the lights. He has not moved his fingers. <laughs> so it's one, two. Why are you not counting, referee? Just screaming it. <laughs> and the ref, in an attempt to cover, I don't know, you know, whatever, because he, he's in the moment, goes, his shoulder's up. And I... Grab this referee by the shirt collar. <laughs> As I am now climbing over this guy into almost a sexual mount over his chest. And I just scream, How? Explain to me how! Now count! You fat pile! <laughs> the guy, very much taken off his guard and everything, rightfully so, counts three. I had worn a jersey to the ring. I can't remember what it was for, but it was something. As soon as he counts three, I run to the ring and grab it. And keep in mind, homeboy is still selling this finish like he's been shot through the head. He has yet to move. Yeah. And I he's run- just here in this. R- yeah, absolutely. I run to the ring cor- or post, I grab my jersey, and I just start lashing this guy, this referee, like like whipping him with it. Like like Jesus carrying the cross, dude. I am just fucking whipping, just screaming, Get out! Get out of my ring! He gets out. I'm getting heat on the corner, turnbuckles, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The guy goes straight to the back. I come down, I step out of the ring, and it's that thing where in that moment, I'm so goddamned enraged, right? Fuck this fucking referee. How do you not count three? That guy didn't move a fucking muscle. He's still laying back there dead. Fucking this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And as I'm walking towards the back, all of a sudden it fucking hits me. I'm like, didn't tell him I changed the finish. Hmm. Fuck. So I get into the locker room, and this guy is like, and I'm not trying to be a dick or like anything like that, because this is just whatever. But like, I get back there, and he's trying not to cry. He's doing that whole like <laughs> thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, God damn it! So I go up to him, like, Hey, man, I'm I'm sorry. I changed the finish. I I forgot to tell you. I I'm so sorry. Like I begged for forgiveness. He's and he's like, It's okay. It's okay. And I'm like. No, dude, that, like, legit, that's not who I am. Like, you know, I'm I'm genuinely not like that. Mm. And I don't know what the fuck set me off on that instance. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, please don't, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, I understand, I understand. I gotta count three if it's three. And I go, yes, you do. (laughs) Also, I should have told you, you know, we changed it. And uh, he quit refereeing. So, oof. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, I was always very intimidated working with you as a referee. Mm. Just because... I think I saw that bit of you in your eyes. No, I'm kidding. Um, it it was mostly because, dude, I grew up watching this guy, and now I'm in the ring with him. What the fuck is going on? Right. But uh, yeah, that that's besides. The point. I think that's I think that's up there. Otherwise, I've got a different story about it, but it's very similar. Where it's like, guy fucks something up. I absolutely fucking scream at them in the back. 
kid quits the wrestling business. Uh, <laughs> How many people have you made quit the wrestling those business? Those two, and I think that's it. That okay. I'm aware of. That I directly was like, I have bitched at you so viscerally that you have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. So, okay. Switching gears a bit. What is... Uh, what what's the most nervous you've ever been before a match? Ooh, that's tough. I I was a nervous fucking wreck for a while before working with Matt Hardy. Mm. I was a nervous wreck for a while before working with AJ. I can imagine. I th- I I think those two are at the top of that for I would say different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like off the top of my head, that's that's gotta be the because the the AJ thing was such a bizarre thing that it even happened in the first place. I think I think it was like one of his first three or five matches after he left TNA was oh, against wow. me. So it was like uh, Amazing Red, AR Fox, Christian Rose, this and I was like, holy shit, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I was so nervous about that, just in ring. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, he's this generation's HBK mm. in my, in my mind, like bell to bell. Who who the fuck's better, on on a consistent basis on a mainstream platform? That's fair. Um, the Matt Hardy one was basically because that was the first big name I had worked with. Yeah, and I really was that was that was an example where I like pushed my chips forward because they had announced that he was coming in like a couple months, and I I remember I was I texted and was like, hey, I've been working here almost a year. I haven't asked you for a damn thing, and uh, I'm like I'm very grateful for the opportunities you've given me and everything. You know whatever. I have not asked you for one thing. I want that match. And almost didn't get it. Mm. Almost was like, no, you know, we're trying to keep you undefeated. We don't know if he'll do business, this, that, and the other, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then it was just like, fuck it. And I was like, even if, even if even if it goes a different way, who cares? I'm undefeated for a fucking year. And I lose to a guy who's going to go in the Hall of Fame? Who who could care? Yeah. What, what more? What do you want, you know? Yeah. Um... It's not how it went. Cool. But, yeah, that was, that was one because I was just kind of like, oh, man, if this sucks after I, like... You specifically requested it. Yeah, then... Oof. oof. Yeah. Um, we're switching it to sort of pseudo-wrapping-up territory. I have a couple more questions left. Bring it. Um, so, just a general... Uh, has there any... Has there ever been a point in your wrestling journey where you thought maybe it's time to get out? You yeah, know, wrap it up. Okay, is like, is there any spe- specific? One uh, was very early. Really? Was Real it the training? Early. Was it the? Um, no, no, I, like not not even that. Um, one was very early when uh, I was in that run for a couple of years where literally every weekend I at least had one booking. Mm. Minimum one booking. And it didn't matter if it was near, far, good, bad. Just someone one to work. Yeah. So, I did a show one time. I, for the love of God, I can't remember the name of the town. I can't even, I think it was called, I, excuse me. I think it was called Illinois Championship Alliance Wrestling. Because I remember we used to call it I Call. Um, <laughs> and I had a match with uh, Zach Sawyers. Mm. Uh Good friend of mine. Great guy. And him and I were both into very similar styles of wrestling and shit. And I remember I got to this venue. And it was a fucking garage. 
And I don't mean a garage like at your house. I mean like a mechanic's garage. Okay. So yeah. the ring is up in, in one of the garage bays. And there's a, a sliding door that's shut. And in the other side, there's cars up on the lifts. Oh and shit God. like that. Uh, it could not fit very many people in it. Like one side of the ring had a row of chairs where you, if you were sitting in those chairs, you could lean back and hit your head on the wall and put your feet up onto the apron of the ring. Wow. Like th- this this place, it, it should have just been for training purposes. But they ran shows there. And I, I mean, what, 30 tickets maybe? 40 at best? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I get there. I'm just like, wow, this is a fucking setup and a half. But there were people there I liked, and it was fun. So me and Zach had this match that went like 25 minutes, and we just beat the piss out of each other. Like, we just chopped each other up, like, bad. Like, his mom's there, so I'm trying to get heat, and I'm just fucking mm-hmm. lighting him up, and he's throwing it back at me, you know, whatever. And into the night, I'm all fucking bruised and welted up. He's all bruised and welted up. I think one of us had a black eye. I don't think it was me. No. Wait, it was, because I went through this weird run where I kept getting black eyes. Um, weird. Just bizarre coincidences. Uh, we go to leave, and the fucking guy paid me six dollars. Six. Yeesh. And I'm like, looking at it, and I just kind of look back at the guy, and he's just standing there like, uh-huh. And it's the thing where it's like, I, I don't even know how to like... I, I'm like less than a year in at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how to fight this. I don't even know what to say. We hadn't agreed on any money at all. Six dollars. I take a couple steps forward and I'm putting this money in my wallet and some dipshit behind me who had also had a very bad match that night. My my match was at least good, but his was very bad. Walks up in line, guy hands him, goes to hand him five bucks and he goes, nah man, keep it. And I'm just sitting here like, then give me that five dollars, you motherfuckers. <laughs> like... So we leave. I go to McDonald's with the carload that I'm in. I bought whatever food I bought, and it was six dollars and like change. And I'm like, I can't even buy fucking McDonald's with this, and I'm so tired and I'm so beat up. And it's like three and a half or four hours to get home. Fuck this! I was just like, I don't want to fuck like it, it, like that yeah. was one where I was just like, I don't know, man. It, you know what yeah. I mean? And then. Didn't even, like, articulate that to anybody else in the car or anything else. Not until, like, long years later. And then talked myself out of it. But, yeah, that was one where I was just kind of like, nope. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. Um, so, that being said, you know, we just uh, we, we discovered that you're 15 years in, right? Uh, yeah. How much time do you think you got left all as far as in-ring goes? All of it. Really? Yeah. Because I, I think, personally, what I've seen of you like this past like year, the past couple months, I don't see any sign of slowing down. And I like I love it. Uh, I don't I don't want to. Like, I, I've got my medication. I can keep taking that. and That keeps me healthy, healthy happy, and, you know, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'm in some of the better shape I've been in, and... Yeah, I don't. I don't want to stop. Yeah, like I don't see. I don't see. You I, have I any will keep going to. until either I get catastrophically injured, or uh, <laughs> if I get to a point where I'm not having fun, or if I get to a point where I feel like I'm not having good matches. Mm-hmm. Like if I get to a point where my matches are not good for the crowd specifically, obviously, or you know, on a distant second to me, then I'm like, nah, fuck it. Just yeah, stay home. 
That's uh, that's kind of the answer I was looking for. I don't. I, I was really scared that you're gonna be like, well, two years. I'm gonna be like, holy <laughs> shit, God. Um, no, like, like, dude. If I'm a guy that's like just doing Zauer, doing local shows when I'm fifty, whatever. Yeah. Why not? Doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. What? Uh, That'll be next week. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I'm kidding. <laughs> um. So. Um. What do you think? Uh, what do you think your legacy will be? I know Oof. that's a difficult question. I know that's a very difficult question. Um, because I wouldn't even know how I would answer that. <laughs> but then again, I'm only six months in. Depends on who you ask. I think some people would say that my legacy is that's guy who was booked above his abilities. Um, oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. Honestly, I hope that my legacy ends up being more for training other people than actually in-ring. Because I think that fans are always going to remember me for having that run in Dreamwave and for being a guy who doesn't lose very many matches and runs through all these name guys and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine. I'm not, I'm not shitting on that at all. I hope that the guys and, you know, whatever, remember me as somebody who's like, wants to help younger people with shit that I didn't have going for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't... I did not have a vet that I could ride with in a car. I did not have somebody helping me get bookings. Uh, I, I didn't have what I would have called proper training initially. Um, I didn't have people telling me, like, here's how you do things, and now here's why you do things. Mm-hmm. And if my legacy is more like, yeah, man, Rose teaches a lot of people what to do based on where he fucked up, or what he couldn't do or didn't do, you know, whatever, then that's fine. Because, like, I can't teach people how to be a successful pro wrestler. Mm -hmm. But I think that I can teach people how to be a good one. So that's kind of my thing. Like, when I first started in this, I never wanted to get signed. That was never a goal for me. You know, like, I I had a handful of goals. I've met uh, damn near all of them except for, like, maybe two. Um... I was real close to hitting that last one, I think, until pandemic hit. Sons of bitches. Um, mm. But, like, I don't know. So far as, like, people who work with me, I hope that my legacy is, like, yeah, man, he was easy to work with and he always had good matches. And as far as fans, I hope that they're, like, you know, what, what's the quote? I can't make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I can make you believe that I am. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's a big thing for me. Um, and, and, like... I don't know, to me, if, like, any of my students are ever on, like, if I'm an old man, I'm sitting there watching, you know, Thursday night QXW, or whatever the fuck the new promotion is by that point. <laughs> yeah. And one of my students is on there, I'm like, fuck yeah, that's cool. And if not, and all it is is every so often somebody sends me a text, it's like, hey man, I did this thing that you taught us about way back when, this past weekend in Bumblefuck, Tennessee, I'd be like, cool. You know, that's Good. enough. Mm-hmm. Like... When I got in, I never wanted to be signed or anything like that. I just wanted to be good. That's it. You almost got there. Yeah, it's so the third close. and fucking not the final time I've made that joke. <laughs> God damn it. Yes. but uh, Swing and a miss. If I can tell you. Oh, fuck. My whole life is ruined. <laughs> if I can tell you, at least from my perspective, I'm very grateful to have had you to ride with for oh, a multitude you. of shows. and and Many more to come. Yes, hopefully. And... Uh, Thank you for helping me be better. Yeah, you're welcome.
We'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. Uh, oh, <laughs> damn it. You got me back. Hit you with your own gimmick. Give you him the eight mile. Uh, uh, I think that's about going to wrap up this interview portion. Yeah, cool. Can Sounds I throw good. someone under the bus? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. The, your your mouth moved so imperceptibly there that I thought you were just very loudly farting. <laughs> Here comes the bus. Here comes the bus. So, it was in summer. I think I had not been even... Oh, 69! Uh, <laughs> bought a new six-string! It was... Summer, I want to say it was a couple shows before... It cuts like a knife! <laughs> I, I want to say it was a couple shows before my debut. We were rolling around in the ring. Yes. It might have been, even been after. Sure. I don't know. Um, we're rolling around in the ring, and uh, I set my glasses on the bottom of the post on the inside corner, so underneath the ring. Okay. Just so that they're out of the way, whatever, right. you know... All of a sudden, fucking Casey comes up. <laughs> God damn it! There's no. You, are you going to tell me he destroyed your glasses he while they were under, on my glasses. under a ring? He stepped on my glasses because oh, I just stepped on someone's glasses while they were mine. That fucking. So I bring this up because I recently. I don't know if you can see that. That is an epoxy putty that I put to fix them because super glue didn't fucking work. How? He stepped on your glasses while they were under a ring. Yes. The screw was... Casey could fuck up a wet (laughs) dream. I am... (laughs) The screw was unable to be tightened anymore. They they were bent. They were not sitting on my face correctly. So I I used an epoxy putty and sharpied over it. No one is worse luck than that fucking dude. Yeah, I know. But I wanted to throw him... I wanted to do that at the beginning. You know what? Yeah. Let's throw him under another bus. Honk! That's a fucking big bus. <laughs> like, just a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That completely broke me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I do we need to plug was... anything on this? I think we should. At, uh... At Wild Wild podcast. podcast. On Twitter. We're so lacking. At Wild Podcast. You probably listen to the other ones. We have nothing new to advertise. Um... Magnum Pro. Magnum Pro. RCCW. Live. RCCW. And a fight. And a fight underground, which... Man, oh man, because these motherfuckers run their shows every, like, two months. I feel like I've been promoting it for nine years. <laughs> um... Zawa Live, of course, as always. I think our next episode we're going to come to you with is, uh, what are we calling it, Tales from Tampa. I believe that will be the next one. Because both Braden and myself are heading to the Gulf Coast, right? I don't know. Sure, we'll go with that. I don't know Florida geography. Me neither. I, I have a shockingly low amount of plans made <laughs> for this. Yeah. Like, I'm not clear where I'm staying, where okay. I'm going. I might die. <laughs> I would hope not. I might fight a gator. Okay. Uh, there's gators in Tampa, right? It's Florida. Probably. It's Florida. That uh, place is just swarming with giant reptiles trying to kill people. That's what they do. Yeah. And old people. And uh, Jurassic heads. Jurassic Park was a documentary about Florida, correct? Wouldn't surprise me a bit. All right. <laughs> um, I know for a fact yeah. most of it was filmed in Hawaii, but what you just said seems true. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Tales from Tampa is probably going to be our next one. As you heard at the beginning of this episode, Connor's going to be on an episode in the future. Yeah. And he's going to pick a great show for us, I bet. 
At least it's not going to be TPI-04. I would love if he actually did pick something good. That would be like, crazy. We, we've talked about it a lot. Like, let's let's do SummerSlam 02. Let's do WrestleMania 17. Let's mm-hmm. do something that is universally beloved. I do have a show in mind that fits my format of seeing a match on it and not the rest of the show. Okay. That uh, I, I think is actually good. Do you want to throw that out here now? It's just a teaser? Yes. SummerSlam 2013. Oh, my beloved Punk versus Brock? Yes. You've only seen that? I've only seen that. And that, the Gaspacho promo. That but... show fucking rules! Um, yes, absolutely. On board. On the fuck board. So these are upcoming episodes. On the fuck board? On the fuck board. <laughs> uh, these are upcoming episodes on the fuck board. Tales from Tampa. Whatever horse shit Connor picks... SummerSlam 2013. Mm-hmm. On the fuck board. That's that's forever what it's called now. Yes, our upcoming schedule will only be referred to as the fuck board. And yeah. I will add the Tim Allen. The card. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The, the card will be posted on the fuck board. Yes. The card is on the fuck board. Follow our fuck board at WowEd Podcasts. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to have, like, a 30-minute side tangent about that Ryback promo when we do that Oh, I'm going to do it word for word, Tom. You want to really commit? Do the whole episode. That's a challenge I hope you don't take. I'm not going to. Okay, good. Thank God, because it would wear thin. Anyway, I'm so excited to dive into that. Anyway, yeah, it is time to... uh, I got a stack of cans here. You do. Um... Normal size cans. Now. Yeah, my can is now bigger than yours. Son of a bitch! But I have three, uh, and yeah. I need a new one. So let's let's end this. Correct. I think these interview. Uh, this has been great. It was very fun. it was very informative uh, yeah. to learn about you. And uh, this is one of our longer episodes because I can't shut the fuck up. I love listening listening to you. Well, hopefully the other people do too. I feel like I learn a thing or two. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to doing more bonus episodes like this in the Especially future. Especially, because uh, Tales from Tampa is going to be another one where we break the format. Break, 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 break. Yeah. I'm going to just call these four, episodes... Four, 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 four. Break the format, episode one. Matt, 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 Matt. <laughs> break the format, episode one, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Why the Phantom Menace? Is that not what the Star Wars episode one thing was? Well, I, oh, well yes, it is, but... Yeah, it seemed kind of random. And I then was going to call it Wars, episode one, and then, and, then, with... and then break the format episode two, Attack of the Clones? Question mm. mark. I would also like to. Uh, I love how we just keep uh, we keep throwing out ideas for this podcast. But on we could air. easily have off off the mic. Yeah, yeah, but I like throwing this out there. I'd like to get uh, maybe some um, some guests in here, and we interview them. Ooh, that's a good one. That'd yeah, good yeah, one. that's a good idea. And then Tales from Tampa colon break the format colon episode three Revenge of the Sith. Sure. Because I somehow have never seen any of those horseshit Muppet in Space movies. Hey, but they're I not know horseshit, those but fucking they're, names. They're good. And then when we come back, we can do Break the format for colon a new hope. We, we we got ten goddamn episode titles here. Alright. <laughs> Love it. Um Wow. 
I'm not going to watch the Star Wars movies. Yeah, me neither. Okay, good. I mean, I, I've seen them. They're good. They're not anything to write home about, I think. Okay. I yeah. went through a phase where I was like, these are the best movies ever. I didn't, I didn't get into them when I was kids with the original trilogy because the whole time it's like, it's fucking Muppets. Like, why are we so obsessed with these things? I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I just don't oh, Muppets. Connor wants us to plug his Twitter. Should we do it? Yeah, we should probably do that. What at, is it? At Hopper2017. At Hopper2017. Follow that. Yeah. Anyways. I love how Connor is almost a third member of this podcast. Via the phone. Via the phone. Via the... Also, I wanted to throw in a footnote here. Earlier I said, that's why I designed my gear the way that I did. What I really meant was, that's why I made Connor design the gear the way that he did. <laughs> uh, because Connor designed the gear. He's yes. our intern. Yeah, he's a very good intern. But for the love of God, let's end this show. Yeah, please, please. It's, uh, that, I'm just going to walk out of the room now and throw these cans away and get a fresh beer. You can end the show on your own accord. Okay, so the vamping section is now the end. Goodbye, podcast. This has been another exciting episode of What Are We Even Doing? Uh, Looking forward to doing more bonus episodes in the future, and uh, this has been us. Now I'm going to slowly move the mouse up to the square so that I can hit it. Click stop so that you can no longer hear my smooth voice. What are we even doing?